0: From Phoenix to London, from L.A. to around the world, this is The Ticket, all sports, all the time, with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle, Ray Ellis, and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports.
1: Me. It makes me faster. and makes me stronger. I am Ray Ellis. You're listening to Ray of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Bad man, and I'm a fan of yours, fan man. I'm a man. fan of yours too, brother. And I'm just uh, happy to be here with you today, fan man. As always, football was good this past weekend. I'm sure you enjoyed it as well.
0: Oh yeah, I had a great time. I had a great time uh, watching uh the the 49ers fire that loser coach they have over there Nolan
1: Well well fan man you know the man did not win football games that is what he, he was stinks. hired to he do he he, he he listen he just <laughs> didn't win football games and I, and I got to admit I but, I, and, I, I thought he would do, be able right? to You got to
0: win football games
1: to keep your job That's exactly right and 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 those guys need to take notice but I'll tell you what they've got a motivator I too many times this past weekend And the weekend before, but I think it was a greater emphasis this past weekend in both both college and pro football where the emphasis had been on either the lack of or none whatsoever or a lot of emotion and football is a game of emotion so are we
0: talking about the rams and dallas would yeah we're be, talking about be it? in that direction if almost my psyche well, is going
1: that way there's so many games fam and wow but that that was one of the games and 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 i say that because i think the personalities of these two people although when i've watched mike singletary on the sidelines he has adapted to a more reserved personality than the animated athlete he used to be. I mean, Mike was full of spit and vinegar well, and no, played right. the game spit with him and vinegar, him.
0: you were too when you were younger, and he has gotten older, so he has calmed down a little bit, just like you have.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to say, but, but football, but football, but but, fam, man, football is a game that has to be. If you, anytime you walk into a stadium, uh, you can tell uh, if nobody, if they took the score off the board. You could tell just by watching which team is well of course eventually would we'll score some points, mm-hmm. but the team that plays with the emotion is probably the team that's playing the better football game. football game is not a game where you 're having a bad day at the office and you decide you want to go to work anyway. hey, you don 't do that on the football field
0: right you know what what, what gets me about the uh, St Louis Rams, everybody down the rams, everybody said the rams suck, they stink. They're this, they're that, and the coach, they let that coach go because apparently we, even on the Owen Hahn show, they were saying that the coach was hated by the players. Um, the new coach comes in, ha- what's his name, Hassel?
1: Yeah, Hassel, he's been whatever. around. He's, he comes he's got in a second chance.
0: The players are playing great for him. They love this guy. They kicked Dallas's ass all over the field. And, you know, any anybody who was watching that game or betting on a, on that game would say Dallas would have won that game because of the way St. Louis has played over the last uh, five or six games. And St. Louis is now a remotivated team due, due to a coach who loves football and the NFL and knows how to treat his players with respect.
1: Well, one thing about uh, Jim Hassel, he, he's gotten a chance, and this is his at least his second chance his second at a head right. coaching job. Right, right. And this is a man who, again, he's passionate about the sport. He coaches with emotion. He's very animated on the sideline. It's not like you're at a funeral. You know, those kind of reserve quarterback coaches and right. and, 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 uh, right. and even quarterbacks. You want a quarterback. You want a leader that has a Last
0: week you got all upset about a Coach Wilson from the Cardinals running around slapping the fans on the ass and the hands and high-fiving everybody. You got upset about that.
1: What I said about him is that is what you will remember about him because, believe me, everybody's going to at some point in time they're going to bring back to the attention because that was not a part of his coaching. He was not, that was after the game was over with. And, you know, those people who are winners. You know, you act like winners and you show good sportsmanship and you let the fans enjoy it, but...
0: Well, let, let me say this. Just going back to the St. Louis game in Dallas. I mean, Dallas is in bad shape. They got all this highly paid talent. They have all these fans, of the America, America's team. What is wrong with Dallas? Why is Dallas falling apart? Is it due to coaching? Is it due to uh, the owner?
1: What's going on in Dallas? Well, I, I wouldn't say it has anything to do with the owner other than the fact that he's he's sticking his nose into the business of football well, i mean, we talked
0: about this before where the owner should stay away from the coach and let the coach do his job just like the coach doesn't inter- in- in- intervene with the owners
1: well one thing about it you know again he's the boss uh, excuse him please
0: no, he, I'm sorry. he, that, that he is amazing. he that was, is that was, the, was, the boss
1: he's the boss yeah. and because he's the boss and he's writing the checks. He feels like he has, you know, the opportunity, whenever he feels like it, to check up on his team, to get the pulse of his team, and to find out what the heck is going on. Well, now, I here's what I would of the say. The team
0: is on the field, and, 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 and Jerry Jones can sit up there and watch the team fall apart. But what, what kind of pressure is he putting on the coach to, to win? And now you have all these issues with Pac-Man Jones, and, and you have, you know, all of it, Tony Romer breaking his finger, and the
1: other guy getting to the kicker. I'm not going to talk about coach. Pac-Man Jones yeah, cool. today. We're not going to talk about. Oh, I can't say Jones. that. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. Adam Jones, Adam Jones is in yes. rehab. Sorry. So Adam is in rehab, and God bless him. But let me just He's say this. Let me, let me talk <laughs> about. Let, let me address that, that. What you mentioned about the coach and the owner, and and I feel as if listen, if you're going to address it, you don't have to address it in the media. Why do you have to? You know, nobody else that fired their coach, you know, went to the media to have a press interview to talk about the status of their team. Or their coach. Or their players. It, it's, about, it's about Jerry Jones. It, that's what this is all about. You know, this is about Jerry getting his, you know, time on the air and, you know, his face being seen and things. Listen, he could manage that team behind closed doors. Nobody ever has to know he's involved except when he makes a decision. We all know his team is struggling. You think Wade Phillips doesn't know that his team is struggling? Yeah, Wade Phillips does know that. And not only does Wade Phillips know that, Wade Phillips also knows that they're building a billion-dollar stadium in which he is responsible for putting a team on the field that will fill up that stadium. And if he doesn't, he will not be the coach next year. Now, at the beginning of the year, I picked a couple people that I felt would be in my hot seat. And Wade Phillips was one of those coaches. He's definitely in the hot seat. It's getting warmer and warmer and warmer and I do not think they would get rid of him during the regular season but I think Wade Phillips and regardless of the fact that there's injuries there's going there are going to be injuries in football you cannot expect to go throughout a season and not have any injuries there are supposed to be injuries you have to plan and anticipate that somebody's going to get hurt and your backups have to be exceptional and in this particular case, I think the Dallas Cowboys, in terms of the people that they're putting on the field, when their star players are have been down and hurt and out, you know, are not able to make plays. So the Dallas Cowboys is a team that perhaps maybe some people pick for the Super Bowl. I didn't pick them for the Super Bowl. I, I don't either, think you I, did. I
0: feel great for the NFC East now that they're having all these problems.
1: Yeah, well, the NFC East is it's kind of having, with the exception of you know, again, I don't care how they win just win and the Giants are still winning yep, you Giants know the Giants are the Giants are still winning so the Cowboys they do have problems but now, you one know of the people
0: uh, that you brought up a couple weeks ago that I thought was a little bit off the off the cuff was Jeff Fisher at Tennessee and Tennessee's 6 and 0 oh now well here's what and I said Jeff about Fisher's Jeff Fisher doing a tremendous job and you know what the main the mainstream media is not saying anything about Tennessee it's all about Dallas and it's all about the Colts and the Patriots it's the same old bullshit uh, I'm sorry I can't say that <laughs> over and over again <laughs> i mean show. what about Tennessee Tennessee's doing a
1: Phenomenal job down there. Well, let me say it's about Tennessee. He, Jeff Fishery, is also one of those people at the beginning of the season I had on my hot seat. And the reason why is because he is the longest tendered coach here in the league. He's been in that position as long as some people have been on this earth, at least well over a decade. You know, and I would say this.
0: That's time for a coach,
1: too. Oh, yeah, and I would say this to Jeff. You know, he really has to deliver a Super Bowl. I mean, he's been there, but they want him to get – a championship, a Super Bowl champion. He has a lot of talent on that football team. It doesn't surprise me. The only thing that's surprising is that, you know, people thought that Vince Young would actually be in there, and, you know, and, and that's, an, that's something else. But they are winning football games. So it doesn't surprise me because I really felt that Jeff also felt that he needed to get back to – playing Super Bowl football and he's doing that he's always been a great defensive coach he has always been he was a part of that buddy Ryan wasn't
0: he a defensive coach for the Eagles
1: yeah yeah he was a part of that defensive scheme he knows a pressure on a quarterback I can guarantee you if you ask teams throughout the league who are the teams that they fear the most in terms of being on the offensive side of the ball who are the teams that they fear the most in terms of preparing for them and knowing what they're going to do on the defensive side of the ball? Tennessee Titans. I mean, Jeff brings the kitchen sink. He brings everything when you play against those guys. And they always have very talented football players on the defensive side of the ball. And now, at the beginning of the year, again, I say the Dallas Cowboys had probably the best tandem of running backs in Barber and Jones. Mm-hmm. But now, when you look at what the young man, Chris Johnson, and then Lindell White has been able to do for Tennessee that that I mean, that running game that they now are demonstrating is like, oh, perhaps maybe uh, they may get Jeff off of the hot seat. If they continue to run the football the way they are and, and and allowing Collins not to get himself in any trouble in terms of, you know, having to throw the ball all the time. If they can continue to run the ball, Tennessee, hey, Tennessee and the Giants, who knows? That, that could be what we're looking at on Super Bowl Sunday. It could be. Yeah, but that's uh, that that that's something that I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I definitely wanted to talk about, you know, Jeff Fisher. I definitely wanted to talk about the fact, you're right, they're probably the two teams, the Giants being the other team, but the Tennessee Titans, for some reason or another, and it could be perhaps maybe that we've got excited about Tennessee before in the past and they've let us down, but, you know, the Tennessee Titans is a team that definitely, you know, should produce, has enough weapons, and uh, Jeff Fisher... Should feel himself uh, being held accountable to get this team to the next level, you know. I think he's, he, now speaking of somebody managing something, and that's what, you know, bosses and coaches do. They manage. On the football field, you don't manage. I don't know where that term ever came from on the football field. You don't manage, what, manage? a football game. You don't manage. The coach manages the football game. The players play the game. You don't, you're not on the football field managing Anything. You're on the football field playing football. The coach is managing the game from the sideline. So let's get past that one. But Jeff Fisher has done a tremendous job of managing his football team. On game day, it and he like, has got no respect. It seems, like, no the respect owner, as it you seems like the
0: owner stays out of the Titans organization, and lets Jeff run run the team, and he's done a great job of managing the team. Do
1: you? I don't even know who. The, do you know who, the know who the owner of the Tennessee, is the Tennessee Titans? Titans. <laughs> you, you see, how many owners do we really know? If, if if you were to go down the list, how many people? You know Jerry Jones. You know Jeffrey Lurie, because you know he too. You know, would we'll show up on the field every now and then. Now and you then, know?
0: but they show him in, the, in his press by. His yeah, box. but who,
1: I mean, okay, we know the guy for the Patriots, you know, we know them right. because of crap, you know. But
0: who else do the they Buffalo, sh- They showed the Buffalo Bills owner the other day. He's 91 years old he's watching the game.
1: And of course we know, you know. Ow. Everybody knows Ow. Al Davis.
0: It was funny on Owen Hodge. I was listening to him yesterday. Is he vertical or horizontal right now? That was hilarious. oh, oh <laughs> hey, hey,
1: hey. <laughs> Al's got to give it. You got to give him his respect, though. You know he's not Al Bundy. You know he's Al Davis. You're listening to Real Sports hey, on the hey, Voice America Network with break, the number one co-host in the, the Park world. Park. We're in Phoenix, living like it matters. We got to take a break, and we'll be right back after this.
2: I'm Joe Wood, president of Famous Footwear. We are a proud sponsor of March of Dimes' premier walking event, March for Babies, formerly known as Walk America. More babies begin healthy lives because of March of Dimes' research and programs. And with our support, we can do even more for families all over America. One day, all babies will be born healthy, but we have to walk to get there. Join the March for Babies. Sign up at marchforbabies.org.
0: to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: Yeah, 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 you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America yeah. Network with the number one co-host in the world. And you know, before we left there, you know, of course, we were talking a little bit about Al Davis, and you know, we hey, we the Raiders, the Raiders won a football game. They won two football games. Yeah, why is that unbelievable? They got enough talent. We've been looking for the Raiders to start winning football games.
0: I know we. have. It's amazing. Yeah, I saying it's amazing they won a game.
1: Yeah, but they and they but they beat oh Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, Right, right. That's because they put a new coach in there. Al put a new coach in.
1: Hey, wait. regardless of if you put a well, new coach in, they're, they're,
0: they're listening to this show. That's what it is. Well, we motivated the players.
1: Well, I'm glad the players because I'm always one of those people where a, I can't necessarily, uh, you know, hold coaches accountable for everything, even even motivating the team. You know, I believe like Stephen A. Smith says, you know, who the hell has to motivate a professional football player, well, you know, professional that basketball that if player? If I'm
0: getting paid $500,000, 600000 $800,000 a year, and I, that's as far as I can count, is the 700000 I think I would motivate myself on the field to do the best possible job so I would in, uh, ensure that I would, I would have a job next year.
1: Well that's exact that's exactly right and that's why, you know, I like listen, I want coaches to bring passion and, and the reason why I want a coach to bring passion is because the players are probably playing this game and full of passion and then you go to the sidelines, you don't want a guy talking to you like, Yes. Yeah, yes. you do the You want job. somebody who's into the game like the fans. Look, if the players play with emotion and they do what they're supposed to do, doesn't it get the fans all rowdy and aren't they into the game? How are you going to go to the sidelines?
0: On on the New England game last night when when Moss caught the touchdown and went into the uh, stands. Oh, yeah. And the guy with the uh, Viking head on. That's right. right. Yeah, they were all excited. They were going crazy. They wouldn't let him go. And it excites the fans, excites everybody.
1: Hey, when I – listen, back in the day, and I'm going to date myself, but, but when Coach Hayes, when Woody, God bless his soul, used to tell us, to make the fans sit on their hands when you were at the visiting stadium, because when the fans got involved in the game, they got the players involved in the game, all the emotion in the game, and it 's going to make for a tougher game. You wanted to, to just do whatever you could to demoralize the team and, and the then fans. take all the emotion out of the fans, but when it 's the opposite way, that that team and that fan those that fan base that is really into it and showing a lot of emotion they're going to win a lot of football games. But listen, by the way, I just want to take time. I, I got to do this because I always do this whenever I do. can. Yeah, there's a couple people that have been kind of special to me in my life who passed away, and I just wanted to, you know, pay condolences to them, to their families, and they meant a lot to me. One of them is a great basketball player out of Canton, Ohio, who also, uh, you know, went on to become a professional ball player he went to university of illinois went to canton mckinley high school his name is nick weatherspoon who passed away he had a degenerating bone disease that just he was in so much pain passed away at the age of 58 and then gene hickerson who was an outstanding hall of famer guard number 66 that used to pull for jim brown and and leroy kelly and those guys and he too you know passed away and and they just meant a lot to me. They were, kind of, they were really special, not kind of special, because I remember so much. Nick, is, man, I could say so many things about Nick. I mean, he set the tone for everybody in Canton, Ohio, who was interested in becoming a professional ball player. Here's the kind of sacrifices you make. Here's the kind of work habits you develop. And here's the example you set for everybody. God bless his soul. May he rest in peace. Gene Hickerson, is a, if there's ever a pulling guard, a young man who wants to be a pulling guard and find out How what techniques you should use and how you should block not only at the line of scrimmage but beyond the line of scrimmage. Get some of that old footage and look at number sixty-six. And I just hate that they had to wait till he was in a wheelchair. But the three guys showed so much class being Jim Brown and Leroy Kelly and one other running back and I got forget I can't think of his name now. They pushed him on his wheelchair to accept his induction into the Hall of Fame, and I don't All even right. think he made the right speech. He couldn't make a speech at that time because they wait. Don't wait until wait it's over with. Yeah, let, right. let the person smell the roses. Hey, but listen, what I want to do, and I'm going to take a quick second there. We're going to show our respects. God bless you, fellas. Okay, now for the fellas that are here. Listen, man, I got a great guest with us today, fam. Man, I forgot to yeah, tell you I, I this. Heard I heard about
0: this. You, you yeah, know, man, listen. The grapevine, you had some really, really cool guests hey,
1: coming. Hey, and one thing that, you know, our good friend Fish always tells us, and that's Kelvin Fisher, who is, uh, you know, our, our Pittsburgh inside. Steelers person. Yeah, there you go, who, who's a scout, scout for the scout, Steelers right? and always lets us know. And Fish has always told me this privately, but I'm going to share it with everybody publicly, that everybody wants a big, strong, fast receiver who can catch the ball, not a possession receiver who can go deep, who can go across the middle, who can catch the ball at all for me, that's a possession receiver, somebody who catches the ball. We got a yeah, great words, all she catches the ball. Catches the ball and scores, and does whatever you ask him. Blocks, does it all. And so we got a great mm-hmm. all pro, we got a a, a, a great pro bowl receiver, because there's a difference in being an all pro and being a pro bowl. You know, people with yeah, There about is a difference. Later. But we got one of the best that ever played the game. And who is that? And that is Herman Moore with us, former Detroit Lion. Herman, are you there with us? I'm here. Herm, how you doing, man?
3: I'm good. How you doing? Today, hey, Herman. Man, man. Nice to meet you. Hey, how you doing? Good. <laughs>
1: good. Listen, I got, I got the number one fan in the man world man. with me. He's the number one co-host, too, and his name is Fan Man. And we just wanted to talk to you because there are some things going on in the league right now. A lot of different coaches find themselves on a hot seat. They're making some changes during the year. I mean, you played up there in Detroit with one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game. We know that, you know, you're being one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. Their team times weren't always real good for you guys in Detroit. Did you ever feel as if it was the coach's responsibility to get the thing turned around? And and if, if so, did you guys also find yourself in a position where you thought, man, we might come next week, coach might be gone?
3: Yeah, you know what? I played in the air. I came in 1991 to Detroit, and at the time we had Wayne Fonts, who was considered, you know, a, a Canton boy, back. Canton
1: Ohio boy.
3: Yeah, he just got in the league not long, you know, before then. Did uh, had a couple of successful drafts, uh, successful drafts with uh, Rodney Pete, He brought in uh, Barry Sanders. He also had Non Ware, but you know, it was when I came in the players on the team, we had a great group of veterans which you don't find nowadays. I mean you do have some good squads who have guys, when you say veterans, you know, they've been in the league, you know, eight, nine, ten years. But the difference is we had leaders who were veterans, uh, when they came into the league in ninety one to where they really took hold of the team. They they took care of uh the, the behavior on the field, off the field. They were responsible for uh guys being prepared and coming in and getting ready to play. The coaches were there to really implement game plan, to teach you how to take their system and run it and then apply your skill level out on the field. Uh, Our responsibility was to be prepared, to be mentally prepared, to be good citizens, to do the right things. Now, the NFL, there's always been problems. There's always been players with problems, but not at the extent that you see today. And then as it relates to to the coaches, we never knew. uh, We we had a great owner, still have a great owner, Mr. Ford, to where – he would always let you know if a coach was on the hot seat. You didn't have to worry, worry about reading about it. Um, Wayne Fonts was always on the hot seat, it seems every year. But the player stepped up. He wasn't going to make or break us out on the field other than philosophy. Uh, we still had to go out and make it happen. So it seems there's a different change now. Coaches are having to, to manage guys uh, on and off the field. They have to manage behaviors. They have to manage uh, what kind of situation they're bringing into, whether they already have a good or bad situation as a team. And I think it 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 detracts from what the initial job was of a coach. So, <laughs> you know, so no, determine what happens is the coach becomes father.
0: Exactly, and that shouldn't be because the players should be you know mature enough to play the game the way they're supposed to play the game. That's why they're there in the first place. But when in their personal lives, be responsible to the to society.
3: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head that they're coming in and they're having to take over these dual roles. And then they're having to take, in some situations, they they don't have history, long enough um, history with the players to understand the good and the bad or or what side this guy's going to fall on, what side of the fence. Is he going to turn out to be the the good leader or the stand-up guy or the the guy that's going to not lead to a lot of disciplinary problems? Or is he going to be someone that you're going to have to micromanage, which we've seen this year already with some of the players, um, it's it's a it's a challenging situation that the NFL has right now. It's somewhat to, you know when you look at it because you're in a national spotlight. It puts a black eye on things. Um,
0: Herman, when you look- think of,
1: when, when you when you look at the players today, and particularly you know you're looking up at Detroit and what's been happening for the past couple of years. You know I know Kitten stepped out and said they were they were going to make it to the playoffs and they were going to win so many games. Uh, the pro- productivity of the players. Do you see the players playing as hard as they played or as you played? you know, when you're an all-pro for so many years there with the Lions, when you go to the games and you watch your team there, the Detroit Lions, do you feel they're giving you maximum effort on the field?
3: I, I think, you know, in any era you, you have some that, that kind of loaf a little bit. That's where the term came from, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like it started with this era. But what I see is lack of discipline. I see lack of um, uh, skill sets that were like you may have had in the past where guys are really focused on technique. They're really focused on understanding the game at the level of, uh, without the flash, without you know going out and saying, "Okay, I gotta make the one-handed catch. I can make this catch, but if I make it with one hand, it looks better." Uh, versus securing the catch and then worrying about the run. There's there's things that were fundamental um, tools that we were all given. I don't care wh- whether it's a lineman, whether it's a kicker, whether it's a receiver that seems to be lost. You don't you don't look at someone and goes, "Wow, he's a great technician. He's a great guy." That when you look at beyond the gaudy numbers, beyond statistics, you look at them and say, that guy has a skill that, you know, that resembles something in the past when you talk about the legendary guys that have come through the league. That's yeah. what I see that's different, not that necessarily there's a lack of effort. Because these guys are playing hard. In some cases, it looks like they're playing faster, harder, stronger. So the action in the tempo is actually picked up a little bit. Uh, but you just don't see the discipline that I think we're used to seeing or that, you know, even in my era, it, you know, we were going through you know, where you bringing in the old with the new, and you know, somewhere along the way, as all with anything, things get
2: lost.
1: Well, I will say this, Herman. You you mentioned one thing. One thing that you know, bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, you were, you know, probably one of the sec- that sticks out in my mind. You know, probably one of the second uh, biggest receivers, Harold Carmichael at six eight. You know, Harold retired in 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 the late 80s, and, and then you came in, like you said, in '91. You know, But the receivers are so much bigger now, so much stronger, so much faster. Where were these receivers previously? Were they in a different position? And now somebody said, no, you can still be big and fast and play a skilled position. Were they in a different position? Where are all the big receivers coming from?
3: Well, they're coming from – they're being recruited from somewhere. You know, you see they play basketball. They've done other sports. The guys, for some reason – it wasn't you weren't. It's not that they weren't there. It's just that you weren't looking for them. It was, I came in when the Smurfs were popular. You had this run and shoot, and the, you know you had the Houston Orler guys, you know Givens and these guys. They were running and all over the place, you know. Uh, then all of a sudden, for a matter of fact, Harold Carmichael was. I idolized this guy. I used to watch him all the time. Your teammate and and those things uh, when you're in Philly. But um, I, I saw that there was this opportunity. When I came in, I was considered what was called a tweener, and that was Mm. a guy who was between a wide receiver and a tight end. I was too small to play tight end, too big perceived to be a wide receiver, but the Lions took a chance. Alvin Harper, Carl Pickens, some of these other taller guys, 6'2 or or taller, came into the league. Hey, Herm, you got
1: to do me a favor there, Herm. We're going to get right back on that. Whenever you hear music, that means we got to take a break. You're listening Nerd to Club. Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Damn, man. We got Herman Moore with us too. We'll be right back after this message.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They
2: Wake up and Jack He'll get you right back to your head JackLalane.com presents Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how, three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Is a beauty. There's a 5 ball deep
3: right field. thought goes O'Neal. He's a shot. got it. With 2.8 seconds left to <laughs> left. I
0: don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're back. You're listening to Real Sports on the Voice of America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Amen. And every now and then we do surprise our guests. We got all-pro wide receiver Herman Moore with us, formerly of the Detroit Lions. And we, we were just talking about the game transitioning into what he's calling tweeners. And Herman identified himself as one of those. And, uh, Herman, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what was happening with you and Harper and some of those other guys who, who came into the league and the passing game started changing a little bit because right. of people like yourself and your abilities.
3: Right. What you had is uh, you had these guys who were 6'2 uh, or taller who are now going against, you know, everyone brought in the smaller guys. Uh, you had guys like Daryl Green who are extremely fast, gifted, talented. They could still cover and do all these things. But they were covering the Smurfs. Now you bring in these these giant guys who you know weren't slow by any standard. I mean, you know we we're all we're around the four 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 three uh, speed, and it changed the game because now they were undersized defensive backs that were trying to cover these big, physical, fast wide receivers, and ultimately it, it caused you to have a, a, a tough go in the, in the secondary because you had to overcommit. Uh, other guys, or you had to have these these shorter guys play off, so they wouldn't get beat deep or be at a disadvantage for the high ball. So it it really changed the landscape of of things, and uh, even starting to see the linebackers who became more coverage guys. They were safeties that were being converted to linebackers. Um, you know, so it, there's a lot that has taken place uh, in the NFL. You know, your your running backs have pretty much stayed consistent. You need your your big guys up front. And, uh, you know, and quarterbacks. And some of the linemen even got taller, so you started seeing them. You know, some of the quarterbacks were getting taller and, and things of that nature. But, you know, it, it's it's all about evolution. It's all about um, things evolving. Hey, uh, Arm, is that where the West Coast offense came from, with the, the taller receivers? It did. It, it started with the taller receivers that could get vertical and stretch the field. It, and, the it, it, it created all kind of problems for the secondary because – you, you know, it wasn't like the again, like in comparison with the run and shoot, where you got you had people scattering, um, and you try and just try and find that guy off of three-step drops. Um, all right, with, who, who, with do you think started,
0: who, who do you think started all that? Who, who was who was the innovator of all that? Um, um, of the West
3: Coast, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure. I want to say it was. Um,
1: yeah, they give it they uh, give credit to Bill Walsh. They do.
3: Yeah, I was going to say it's probably Bill Walsh out of San Francisco. Uh, he was the, he was the, the father of it, and then you had his assistants. Uh, assistant coaches who then start to branch off and create their own little version or take what worked in the system like Holm Grimm and, Um I think you had uh, even, you know, Mary Uchu came out of San Francisco. Um, you know, you get these guys to come out and they put their little spin on it or they put their take on it, and it, it still was considered the West Coast. Well, you don't hear that anymore, um, you know, as much as you used to back in the mid-'90s. Right. Uh, where it was really starting to take full stride. Right. So, you know, right now it comes up at the end of the day it comes down to, you know, you got 11 guys playing 11 guys and, and you got to win the you got to win your battle. Aaron, I got a question for you about
0: uh, Jake Glazer of Fox Sports uh, reported that Brett Favre, uh, called the Lions uh, earlier this year to give him a scouting report on his old team. How do you feel about that? They're they're calling him Benedict Brett now.
3: Yeah, you know that's that's, I mean, that's I mean, disappointing and it's sad because you know as you as you know, things get leaked out and things are said, but you never know a hundred percent true or false. Uh, you know what really transpired, but regardless, it didn't change the outcome of the game. I, I think people share information all the time. That's no different than a friend of mine may call me up and say, "Hey, I know you guys played a certain team the you know the previous week." Um, you know, give me a little information about the guys you played against, or if I was in a certain system, you know, tell me a little bit about it. Then you don't share that kind of information. Like if I played for a team, go over. I At the end of my career, I went over to the Giants. If the Giants were playing the Lions and they said, hey, uh, tell me, you know, the offense that those guys were running last year, you know, I wouldn't. I, you know, one, I'd feel a little awkward that they would be even asked to give that kind of information. Right. But uh, I, I just don't think a player of his stature would – Give that information. That's my personal yeah, I, I, opinion.
0: I found that hard to believe when they reported that. Why, why would he do that? I mean, he's the god of Green Bay. He's a, he's a great quarterback. I don't know why. Guess, does somebody just like him, or is it just you know they they, they just want to start
3: some chatter about? Yeah, and about this is him. disappointing when you try to tarnish a person like Brett. I mean, he's had a stellar career, sure, and his reputation has been great. And uh, you, you know, he's not the type of person that's been controversial or anything like that. So to even unless there's some hard facts behind that where someone's got him on. You know, a conversation or a tape or something got leaked that way. I think you shouldn't report things when you you talk about players of that caliber who have meant a lot to this league and they're legendary that you start to just throw their name out like that uh, yep. without really having some facts behind
1: and, it. And that kind of brings me into uh, the next point I wanted to make, because I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions. And, and you know, Matt Millen was such a, a a very, very, very good football player, you know, short of being great. I mean, he always played with emotion, gave you everything he had, you know, was with the Raiders, you know, won a Super Bowl, you know, coming out of Penn State, you know, and went in and his legacy there with the Detroit Lions is going to be one where, wow, you know, he was never able to put a team on the field that was able to live up to the expectations that he had and certainly not what what the Fords had for for that team. Uh, Do you think he was the person that needed to be removed to to take this team to the next level in Detroit?
3: Well, I think it all starts at the top. Unfortunately, when you take over that responsibility, you have to take everything that comes with it. Uh, It's no different than what a coach does with his team if his team doesn't perform uh, just like uh, Coach Marinelli, right now he's on the hot seat, and it's you know he's not out there the one that's responsible for the plays, but he's responsible for the players, and then ultimately players responsible for themselves. So therefore, if you look at any team, it begins with the person who makes the decision on um, the people that you pick, and if that's the person leading the scouting department, that's leading your your administrative or coaching staff, then they have to be held accountable. And I think Matt Millen is a strong enough person to, to say, you know what, he agrees with that. Um, he he may have done well in his you know football career, uh, both as a player and as a team as a, a team member. Uh, also, he did well uh, in you know being a commentator. But you know his failures as a as a um, GM has I think to be kept separate because you know I think he was a little young not young as a person but he was too young in the business of doing that. He had no experience, and uh, it ultimately cost him. But nonetheless, you know that's that's something that yeah he's got to take the the responsibility for that um I, I don't think he'd have it any other way, and it it that's I think the decision was made to do that. I don't think it you know as you saw, it would affect the team itself by replacing him because he has nothing to do with the actual playing of the game after those decisions decisions have been made
1: yeah those what, guys what who do have those guys who do have a responsibility for that lost this past weekend, and the schedule doesn't get any easier for those guys with. Uh, I believe uh, the Washington Redskins is coming right. into your your place uh, this week, and then and then the next week they're traveling to Chicago, and and then they got to uh, I think they eventually find themselves uh, the following week uh, at Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville right. comes into your place, so th- that's a pretty tough schedule that they have, and uh, it's it's going to be a you know difficult season for them.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a tough road coming up here. Uh, you know, you look at having uh, you know zero and six record right now and you got four more playoff contenders that are coming down the, the road, it just can't make them feel well. But, you know, you look at the fact that we've shifted out Roy Williams and traded him to Dallas um, this past week, and then, you know, there's John Kitna who was placed on IR, and although John said he's not hurt uh, and that he could have come back, he feels that you know that decision was made because he's no longer in their plans, which could very well be the case. You know, so it sends a certain message For the team that now the motivation you may have had for them to continue to play hard may have sent a message that, you know what, this season we're pretty much writing off, we're going to evaluate talent, and we're going to see who's who's going to come ready to play and who we need to keep, who we need to ship. And so guys really right now are going to be playing, you know, that thing still there exists, what we call pride. They're going to be playing for that they're going to be playing for their jobs they're going to be playing for new contracts and you've heard all these things oh so. yeah
1: you're right hern, but it's good to hear it from you you know the people hear it from me so many times and I like for other players to come on here and and share what their experience is and for them to tell people, listen, you can look at a picture one way and we can look at it from a totally different perspective It's like the glass being half empty or half full you know and uh I well by the way, I got something here we we got our uh, Correspondence, uh, our great correspondence with us from uh, the East Coast from Philadelphia. Jeff Moser is with us. Uh, Jeff, are you there?
4: Hey, Ray, I'm here. Hey, Hey,
1: Jeff.
4: Hey, guys, how's it going?
1: Good. Hey, Jeff, we, we got uh, Herman Moore with us, the, the great wide receiver out of Detroit with the Detroit Lions. Is, that's is funny. I is. heard
4: I heard you guys talking to him, and I couldn't figure out who it was, and I said, that, that's that got to be Herman Moore. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: and we're, we're really uh, pleased to have him. Uh, Herman, I have uh, Jeff join us just about every week to give us some perspective. In particular, they're out of the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, but also, you right. know, in the NFC East, in the NFC period, and around the league. So, Jeff, why don't you uh, give us a – a uh, couple lines here of information that we need to know about what's happening over that side. And, Herman, you can feel free to join in with us whenever you hear music. Of course, Jeff knows that we're going to go to break. But, uh, Jeff, give us a little insight. What's happening over that way?
4: Um, well, pick a team, right? What piques what, int- your interest? you got the Eagles coming off the bye week ready to turn the corner a little bit. You know, well, uh, l- 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 let
1: me ask you. I, you know, I, 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 got I was
4: going to say the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, I thought you said East Coast team. Oh, <laughs> East Coast, okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm confused. Listen,
1: I, I'll stay, I'll stay with that affinity Coast. I have for the Eagles, and they are coming off a bye week, <laughs> and, and, and teams are looking forward to that bye week, and certainly they get a perspective as to where they go from here. So what were they writing about? What were they talking about back there in the city of brotherly love this past week?
0: Well, certainly
4: it'll, if, if everything goes to form and nothing, nothing happens between now and Sunday, which you never know, um, Brian Westbrook, Kevin Curtis, and Reggie Brown should all play – together on the field for the first time this season. That is 71% of their offense last year that have not been on the field at the same time yet this season.
1: Yeah, but is, is Brian really ready to come back? I mean, does he need to come back this week? Could they not rest him this week to make sure that that, uh, what is that, high ankle sprain heals?
3: No, no, it
4: actually wasn't the ankle, right? He came back from that ankle sprain against um, Washington and then suffered broken ribs, fractured ribs early in the first quarter of that game. And then he was withheld from the San Francisco game, and then he's had the last the bye week to recover. And um, we'll see what they do with him this week, practice wise. I'm sure they'll lighten up on it. But he said he the ankle feels fine, and he said the ribs are so much better now that he had a week from you know the bye. I have to wonder a little bit, though, when a guy has fractured ribs, if two yeah, weeks is really you know, enough to come
2: back and be I, I a good person.
1: Get, I was aware of the ribs. I was going to get to the ribs, but I, I certainly thought that the ankle, it, when I saw the ankle injury, it's just, uh-huh. just no way. I know he's probably getting a couple shots, and, and, and perhaps maybe he's going out to play like that, and that's why I was hoping he could take some extra time. But let me ask Herman, perhaps maybe somebody who's gone over the middle a couple times and taking a shot from a linebacker or maybe even a safety. Uh, you ever had any rib, any rib injuries before, Herman? Can you give us some perspective on that?
3: Yeah, you know, I've had uh, fractured uh, ribs before, and it, it surprised me when Jeff mentioned that he would be trying to come back because that's one of those deals where, you know, in his position, he's got to make cuts, he's got to make turns. You know, you've seen Westbrook. I mean, he's an explosive player. He comes mm-hmm. out of the backfield. He's used in so many different packages. You know, how effective will he be if he's not 100%? And when you put him out on the field, I mean, you, you don't want a guy like that playing kind of tentative, and, uh, and, and just kind of watching himself a little bit. He's one of those all-out type players, but, you know, he's got to carry the ball. He's carrying it up against his rib cages, you know, his ribcage. So when he gets hit, it's, it's a question of uh, how secure is the ball going to be, and then, two, how impactful and how strong is he going to be, you know, going out there. He's got to pass protect. So there's a, there's a lot of questions there that, you know, you have to watch. And then, two, if he comes back early, most of the time when you see that happens, either re-injury occurs, which puts you out even further, or there's a situation where, you know, uh, uh, the guys will not you know fully finish the game so i i don't know i mean that's going to be a tough one we have to watch
1: hey guys we got a little music there that means we got to take a break this is the only place you can get this kind of inside information conversations with players right here on rail sports on the voice of america network with the number one co-host in the world Bad man, man we'll be right back with jeff mosher and our special guest
3: herman moore
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They a
2: bitch's ass and they move on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs>
0: NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, speak up, up, or forever hold your mouth.
3: We playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports.
1: Everybody listen up. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world. Man. man. We've got all-pro wide receiver Herman Moore with us, and we've got Jeff Mosher from our East Coast Correspondents back on the East Coast in the city of brotherly love. Uh, Herman, I, and, and Jeff, too, and Famine, of course, we're all participating in this, but we're going to have to close this. Is our last segment. I, I want to talk about quickly about this, and then I'm going to move on to some games throughout the league, but... Right now, we just talked about Brian Westbrook, and we talked about multiple injuries that he has, and somebody is making decision on him coming back and playing where he can still be at risk to further injury him, injure himself. I ask that question only because, Herman, is a, a very good wide receiver right now, Anquan Bolden, who is injured out here in Arizona, and I'm hearing things about he's got six or seven or eight plates that was either in his face or, or still in his face or, or whatever you, you, when you, Now that your career is over and you look back on it, do you think that the medical team should be the ones that actually make those decisions because players themselves can't really honestly separate themselves from what's best for their bodies when it comes to playing this game and, and, and worried about somebody, you know, not necessarily taking your position, but just worry about not playing and not performing and then moving on? Who, do you think the medical staff should make that decision, or the players get a chance to make that decision? Herman first, and then Jeff. Uh Herman, you still with us? Up, oh, Herman. I think he's doing? gone. Oh yeah, no,
3: I'm still here. Oh yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think that um, it still comes down to the player making the decision to um to go out there. But you know, there's a lot of pressure. You, you know, players, uh, you know, they understand that they're you know, whether in a contract you know year that's going to be coming up, or whether or not you know they're trying to make it to, you know, some of these these postseason uh, bowl games like Pro Bowl and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure that's there to get back in the game and then just the competitive nature that you find with players that, you know, it's not like a normal person on the street. You get, you know, some, some bones broken in your face, you know, you're going to hurt and the adrenaline never goes and you don't see the, the pressure that's behind you because someone may be, like you said, Ray, that may be trying to take your position. Mm-hmm. So you feel all those things, whereas in the NFL and in these high-pressure professional sports, you don't get that because you know that you got to get out there and you got to make some things happen. So, um, you know, I, I just hope that any time that a player is going back out, especially given the severity of that injury that he had, because that, that was a vicious hit, yes. that he's going to make sure that he's ready and that they take the necessary precautions to make sure that he's he's well protected. But I don't know. This is a contact sport. He's got a helmet, and your head's going to get hit, and you know what? And It's, it's all in your face. So I, he's got to feel that, and I don't know how what he's doing right now to – to gauge that, I mean, they got him hitting his head against the wall with a helmet on or something. <laughs> I don't know, but to, to see if that's going to respond properly.
1: Hey, Jeff, uh, yeah. from a, so, so from somebody who covers the game like you do, and, and you see different players, and you see him in practice, you know, trying to hobble along, you know, trying to make him, you know, get back, make a, a quick recovery onto the field. Uh, do you feel like they're being pressured to get out on the field? You think the medical staff's making the right decisions? You think the players are? Ma- what do you think about that question? It's multiple questions, but why don't you just a, take no, a it's, a, stab it's a great
4: at. point. And and I guess from my experience, Ray, I would say nine times out of ten, when I talk to an injured player about wanting uh, wanting to get back and the injury, it it just seems like it's 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 a paranoia that that's attached to the job title that if you don't get out on that field when you can, you know, even if you're a little banged up and play through some pain, there's somebody behind your shoulder who's ready to take your job and play through more pain than you, and that's what I get mostly from players, It's that they really feel the need to get out there to keep their job, first and foremost, and that's usually going to trump their own personal self, uh, you know, health issues, and you know, I'm I'm sure Herman's seen that that case from from teammates, too, where, where guys just feel like, if they're not on the field producing, then you know, it's, they're, they're here today and gone tomorrow.
0: Yeah, but we'll see what we're talking about here is Westbrook. He's a, great, a very, very good football player. And I think the Eagles, if he's still hurting like that, that they should keep him out for Well, fan sure? uh,
4: I know what you're saying, but how good of a football player do you think Donovan McNabb is? Do you think he's not feeling the pressure of being hurt a lot for the, oh, over yeah, the last sure. two or three years? Yeah, I agree with you. He's all, um, yeah. this, but that's my, that's my only point. No matter how good you are, your longevity in this game is short, especially at the running back position. So... I feel like players really do everything they possibly can to get out on that field and produce. So,
0: hey, so Jeff, let me ask you a question. So, is it mm-hmm. up to the player, the coach, or the medical staff to make it uh, make those decisions?
4: Well, it's usually I, I, you know, I'm not privy to those meetings, Advan As you know, but oh, but seriously, I can only tell you what I, what I, what I, what I, my interactions with the players, and it seems mostly that it's their decision, and that they're the ones that are placing maybe their own other interests over safety. It's it's.
1: Well, I'm going to I'm gonna jump in there a bit. From
4: higher up, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Hey, it is. But, hey,
1: hey her, uh-huh. if you were the
0: coach, if you were the coach in that situation, and you got a Michael Westbrook, what would you do? What would, yeah, what well, you, do? you
3: know, if I have him and I look at the situation, I got to look at my schedule, I got to look at the opponent, and I got to look at okay, what is his real need for this week and for us? His importance to us to win to you know this Sunday's football game. Right. If I can rest this guy an additional week and just have him available in the event that I need him, and that's what I do. And I bring back a 100% or a 90% plus type guy. You know, I got to bring Westbrook back at that. And then you got to think long term. No, I don't need to have him re-injured because there may be more critical games that are coming down the the pipe. that well, see, that's the
0: way I think. I, I got to have him available. For. Yeah, I, I think the same way you do. I think that if they if, if they're playing a team that they, where they don't need him, hold him out for another week, week, another, or maybe two weeks to make sure he's healthy to go into the playoffs.
1: So. Hey, hey, guys and fan man, you know i want to add something right there. I'm glad I heard all you guys make those comments. You know because I was going to have one little comment I'm going to make and then we're going to move on because we're we'll talking a little bit about a couple games coming up, but. There's like a human perspective that's missing in this whole equation. It's like football players are not real human beings because any anything else, any other job, any other walk of life. (laughs) You But we talked <laughs> about the we difference. Get the we did. When
4: we try to compare sports to the rest, of yeah. The but you know what?
1: And that's what we did talk about this, Herman. Before one other time on the show, we said there's a difference between being hurt because everybody's hurt. If, if you run into me, if you crack back on me, you hurt me, and and, right. and I'm hurt. But I'm not injured, you know. But then again, right. maybe somebody may hit you, and and you may be injured, and and you can't go. But so so that, I just wanted to throw that in there, guys. But listen, we got some games coming up. This week uh, yeah, you know, and I think there's some very good games this week, but I, I think the the biggest game this week, you know an identity for both of the teams because both of them you know getting a little respect, but nobody wants to say yeah they're the best teams out there, is the Giants and Pittsburgh, Jeff, tell us a little bit what do you think about that game with the with the Giants and the Pittsburgh Steelers?
4: well, I think it's a great matchup, like you said, Ray um, you know you look at the Giants and uh uh, you know, a lot of people coronated them as a as a great team when they were undefeated, and then they went and let everyone down by losing to Cleveland on Monday Night Football. But they're still a good team. You know, the, the, I think they've got one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league. However, Pittsburgh has bounced back from that thrashing they took from Philadelphia a couple weeks ago pretty well, they're, and they're banged up. That, and so I'm kind of impressed with without um, Willie Parker, and then I think they lost Rashard Mendenhall for the year. Uh, they've been able to hang in there, and I think that uh, the Eagles losses is their only loss. So this is, a, this is an interesting game. Aside from the Redskins, I, I really can't name a, a team the Giants have beat that was all that impressive.
1: Yeah, so. I think it's going to be extremely important for, for the Giants to remain, uh, to respectability to go in there and beat a team that everybody knows is a good team. I'm going to throw one of them out here. I'm going to throw this one out there to Herman. Uh, Herman, you got, you know, you got, let, let's look at this game right here. Tampa Bay and Dallas. Because, again, Roy's going down to Dallas. Is Roy going to be able to contribute down there in Dallas this week, you believe? Do you think they'll put him into the game plan and perhaps maybe make a few catches this week? And the other part of that question, if Dallas doesn't win, you think that uh, Mr. Phillips may have seen his last days?
3: Well, you know what? I look at it. I, I think that Roy, you know, he, this past week he didn't have any catches with Dallas. And I know no one really expected him to come in and be, um, well, one, no one expected Dallas to get beat like they got beat. But, uh, having Roy come in, I think he can be an impact player. He's going to open it up, and hopefully, uh, I think for Dallas, they're looking for him to provide big play capabilities uh, on the opposite side of uh, Terrell Owens. But on the other end, you know, Tampa is a team that's sneaky. You look at what happened when Green Bay went there. You know, Green Bay and Rodgers—they they went down, and they—you know—it looked like that should be a game that Green Bay should win. But they play tough, and uh, this is a team that has defense that plays with a lot of speed. They play. Uh, Very tough in the secondary, so this is going to be a game that's going to be about big plays and turnovers. Uh, Okay, Dallas can make big plays, and if uh, uh, they can, you know, get the tight end down the middle, which is tough against Tampa, they have a
1: chance. Okay, we'll see, and perhaps maybe Mr. Phillips may be there next week. We will be here next week. You got to come back and join us. You've been listening to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network with the number one co-host in the world, Fan Man. Hey, Fan Man, it's the kicker. The kicker. It's the kicker. It's the, a, kicker. it's the kicker, man. The kicker. is a kicker. Kermit Kick is not a kicker. He's a wide out. Kick that ball. <laughs> I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. myself. Because I promise I'll be gone for